podcast series from the National Centre for Research Methods at the University of Southampton. In today's podcast, Professor Mark Birkin, Director of the NCRM's Geospatial Data Analysis and Simulation Node, known as Talisman, talks about the node's work and why he thinks not enough researchers are making the most of new data sources on offer. Talisman is actually an acronym it stands for geospatial data analysis and simulation. It's about geography, basically. We talk about data analysis and simulation, so it's quite a quantitative, analytical approach to geography, people, places, services. Explain a little bit more about what you mean by geospatial data analysis and the sort of work that you've been doing. We say geospatial data analysis, a lot of it is about Spatial patterns, it's about trying to understand spatial patterns, it's about trying to analyse those patterns. It might even be about trying to predict or project what, what might be happening in, in the future. Basically, you know, we think the geography is really important, whether we're thinking about the way that individual people behave, the way they move around cities, the things that they do every day, in terms of government and local government. Then if we think about questions relating to deprivation, crime in different neighbourhoods, health inequalities between places, regeneration, mixed communities, school league tables, all these kinds of themes that have been really important in the UK lately. And then commercial problems such as retail provision, where do you put stores, how do you make profits, where do you find customers. All these things are very are very geographical and these are the kinds of things that we're trying to, to analyse quantitatively to build models and, and simulations that help us to understand, to predict and to plan these things systems. One of the interesting projects you've been working on is to do with uh, commuting charges. Can you tell us a bit about that particular piece of research? Yeah, that was a piece of work that um, it actually started two or three years ago, I think, and it, it involved the BBC in uh, the northwest of England that was quite interesting because they were looking at a, a congestion charge in Manchester. And the work we were originally involved in was just about trying to find out what was public opinion about this Manchester congestion charge. What we started off doing was to run essentially some some web-based surveys about how people in different places felt about the impact of this proposed congestion charge on their lives. Uh, But we were able to move on from that and then to actually develop, again, models and simulations that would then say, given that this is how people felt, you know, they would change their behaviour if this happened, was that we could then simulate the impact of this new policy on different people. And the importance of being able to do that kind of simulation is that you can then start to do lots of other kinds of interesting things. So we're going to start to experiment with what would be the effect of introducing different kinds of charge, uh, changing the areas, you know, various different sorts of policy options. So this is very much the idea in the kind of modelling work that, we, that, we, that we're trying to undertake, is that we can try and sort of reproduce some existing patterns or suggested patterns and then move on from there to analyse impact and options. I want to talk now a little bit about um, your views about research moving forward and the amazing wide range and diverse range of, of research opportunities there are now, particularly with with social media and digital t- technologies um, coming yeah. into use. Uh, in a recent article, you talked about scientific research moving into a fourth paradigm. Is that what you mean by that? The fourth paradigm is basically referring to kind of data-intensive science, science that tries to exploit all all these riches of data in the geographical sense or in the world 
all-arounders. Um, so, I mean, the reason it's called the fourth paradigm is because, you know, early scientific approaches, you know, supposed to rely on, well, initially very kind of inductive methods, like Isaac Newton observing an apple falling on his head and therefore going on from there to think about what was causing that and, and gravity and what have you. And then more kind of deductive, theoretical approaches to scientific problems. The idea behind this fourth paradigm is that, you know, actually we've got so much data about the world now is that you know that we can what we should be doing is actually looking at this data and trying to draw our ideas our, our hypotheses our conclusions from that data in your view are researchers taking full advantages of these new data sources or, or are they tending to remain rather conservative in their approach no well that's right i mean i think um you know my view is that then is they're not taking advantage at all i mean i'm not the only one who, who kind of thinks that i mean there was a very well-known article published five or six years ago by couple of sociologists, um, Savage and Burroughs, you know, who, who argued that, you know, sociologists particularly, they're still working with, you know, the surveys they've always used of 50, 100 people, you know, and that actually the answers to a lot of the kinds of questions that they might ask people, we could actually be observing, you know, what kinds of things are people really doing? What are they saying on social media? How are they voting? Whatever these questions might might be. So could you give an example then of how a researcher might uh, turn away from a a traditional source of information to a new source of of data? People use the census quite a lot, the population of census and households, which is a nice source of information. It's very kind of spatially detailed. It covers lots of social and demographic issues. And there's um, a big question at the moment about whether the census in the United Kingdom is going to continue because it's, uh, well, one argument is that it's very expensive. You know, the other argument is that we've got all these other kinds of sources of information now. Maybe we don't need the census. And all the the academics, the geographers, are up in arms because they're saying, oh, you know, we, we need the census. But the reason they think they need the census is because they're used to using it. And if they were to start thinking about, well, actually, what might we be able to do by combining some of these other kinds of different data sources by trying to create different kind of census almost... Actually, there's lots of other things that you could do because the problems with the census is it only comes around every now and then. All these other data sources are much more dynamic, continuously updating. They have much more information about the way that people behave, their interests, and all these kinds of things. So actually, if we were to try and think in a more creative way about the opportunities rather than just being wedded to the things that are in established use, then the potential out there is actually very, very wide-ranging. Now, you're clearly keen for scientists across disciplines to be more creative, as you've said, more ambitious. Um, You've made that sort of quite clear. But for those wanting to be ambitious, I mean, there are challenges and barriers, aren't there? There are difficulties in that. Yes, there are. Um, And clearly, that's one of the reasons, or, you know, there are reasons there why, why people aren't doing more in this regard. I think one of the big issues is that, you know, to try and make the most of all of all this, you need quite a lot of different skills. You, know, you need to know about your know, databases and data sources. You might need programming skills if, you, if you're trying to build simulations and that kind of thing. For geographers, you need to know about maps and spatial data. And of course, you need to know a lot about social science theories of various kinds. And one of the things, that, again, that scientists talk about a lot is the need for big multidisciplinary, multi-skilled teams to um, make an impact on these sorts of problems and that's one of the things that in social science we don't really have you know there's, there's still too much of the kind of the lone researcher model 
and that as individual researchers we're very poorly equipped to tackle the, these, these big challenges, I think. Is there also something to be said here about the changing face of academia, um, particularly the importance and the greater focus on drawing uh, closer links between ongoing research, uh, research findings and their real-world impact? As academics, we're very focused on uh, novelty. That's basically the, the, the currency of what we do and why, we, why we're successful. And academic research is all about producing new things. But we also have to be thinking about the importance and the impact of what it is that we do. Uh, and that's one of the areas where ESRC has been making some inroads by trying to emphasise to research groups the, the importance of this impact dimension. But I think that does have important cultural implications for the way that we do things, and we need to balance these ideas of creativity and, and novelty with um, with impact and practical values. Clearly there's some fantastic, exciting research going on within your own uh, node, and there are people like yourself and, and colleagues trying to drive things forward and be creative and be different and look at these new different sources of, of data that are available. Do you see a, a change? I'm not sure that I'm actually enormously optimistic. I mean, things are changing and, and things will change. But I think, again, in academia, things do, do seem to change quite frustratingly slowly. And one of the things that really does actually concern me is that when we look at some of these social media and the work that's being done, there's actually a tremendous amount of interesting things being done in business and in government environments. And you just think about an organisation like Google, and you know they've got this product now, Google Analytics, and obviously things like Google Maps. A lot of these organisations are doing really interesting work. Some of the mobile telephone companies are starting to do interesting things with their data sources that, again, are telling them about uh, movement patterns and, be and behaviours and, and, and what have you. So I, I, mean, I think things will change, and in, and in some ways they will change quite fast. But whether there are all those changes are actually taking place within academia, I guess, is, is, is one of the interesting questions. I think we might start to see a bit of a change in, in balance between where the interesting work is, is taking place in the next year or two. Professor Mark Birkin from the University of Leeds was talking to Christine Garrington. You can find out more about the work of Talisman at www.geotalisman.org.